Thanks for listening to the weekly teaching podcast for City Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. It is our desire to be a Jesus-centered family on mission. If you live here in Knoxville or are ever visiting the area, we'd love to have you with us at one of our Sunday gatherings. You can find out more at citychurchknox.com. If you're interested in giving financially to help us reach more people in our city, you can give easily at citychurchknox.com give. And finally, if this teaching is helpful to you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. You can email us at info at citychurchknox.com. With that being said, here's this week's teaching. Well, good morning, good morning. How are we doing this morning? Looks like a packed house. I love it, I love it. But nobody wanted to sit up front? All these lovely seats. Um, My name is Marcus. I'm one of the pastors here at City Church. If I have not had the chance to meet you yet, I would love to do so sometime after the gathering. Um, If you are new, just to kind of catch you up on uh, where we have been, we have currently been going through the book of Matthew, and we're about a year or so in uh, Matthew right now, and we've kind of been on and off of it, but we're currently sifting through Jesus's parables or short stories about the kingdom of heaven. And the reason he spoke in parables was because he knew that whether people would receive his message or not, it wasn't ultimately determined by how direct or how clear he was with that message. It really was based on the condition of their hearts, whether they would actually receive it. And so people responding to the good news of the kingdom depended entirely on whether they had the ability to hear it or not. And in many ways, like today, if you were following after Jesus, there was some legwork that you kind of had to do. There was some kind of like mental work that you actually had to do to put in some time to actually understand the parables. I mean, even Jesus' own disciples were like, hey, Jesus, hey, psst, psst, can, can you tell me what that parable was? Like that, that was his disciples, right? Like they were even trying to figure out what some of his parables were. And so if you were interested... Like, if you actually followed, started following after Jesus, you would try to dive a little bit below the surface level of said parable. But if you were coming around and you were not truly interested in following after Jesus, well, if you heard the parable, you would probably turn away, basically. And so to kind of give you an example, like, if, if Jesus just were to show up and say, hey, guys, I know all of you are here today. And you're here to hear this impactful sermon. But actually what I want to do is talk about seeds and fish. That is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about seeds and fish. You would all leave probably, right? You would probably leave disappointed and be like, man, that's not what I was really going for, Jesus. It would be weird. You would walk away. And in many ways, this parable today is exactly that. It probably turned some people away. Now, Kent covered a couple of parables last week, and he skipped over a couple of short ones in the middle of that passage, and so that's what we're going to actually cover today. And there are two of them, one about a seed and one about yeast and bread. And they both kind of get at this similar idea that I think is very important for us today. Verse 31, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. So Jesus tells them this parable and says that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Have you guys seen a mustard seed? Has anybody seen a mustard seed before? A few of us, okay, a few of us. Well, 
you're in luck because I have one <laughs> right here. Can you see it? Can, can everyone, can everyone, it's, it's pretty small, it's a little tiny, I get it, I get it, I know everyone didn't bring their magnifying glass, but, and I was going to put a picture up there, but I forgot to take a picture of it, so I apologize on that. But I did decide to take it one step further, actually. With our very limited budget of $2, that's $2 for everyone, not per person, um, go ahead, look underneath your seat. There should be a mustard seed or two actually underneath your seat. Now, if you move chairs, I'm sorry, I didn't, you know, didn't foreplan. I'm not God. I really didn't know. <laughs> that that would happen. Actually, production booth, I, I put some mustard seeds in yours as well. Uh, sorry guys, at the top, y'all don't have any because I figured you didn't want to touch the carpet because the carpet is not great. So I apologize for you guys. I love you all the same, I promise. And for those of you online, you know I didn't come to your house because that would be weird. So, so hopefully do people, you have it? Does everyone, mostly people, have it? All right. So Jesus says that this, this right here, this, this tiny, almost invisible seed which someone plants in the field, this, everyone, is the kingdom of heaven. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, this is the kingdom of heaven. Does that feel weird to anyone? Does that feel a little confusing? Also, feel free to plant this. I'm sure it will grow. I promise. I'm sure it will grow. Um, if you thought that was confusing, just, just think how confusing and how weird it would have been for, for the people back in Jesus' day to hear this. Think how confusing and weird it would have been, you guys. It would have been utterly confused because they were expecting a conqueror. They were expecting a conqueror to come through and wipe their enemies out. Not someone who said, hey, the kingdom of heaven is like this puny mustard seed. They would have expected him to say the kingdom of heaven was like an army of chariots that shows up on the scene and terrifies the enemy into retreat. Or that the kingdom of heaven is like an invading army that invades the land and vanquishes their enemies. Or yet still the kingdom of heaven is like a thunderstorm on the sea that arrives suddenly and aggressively and fills you with wonder, awe, and terror all at the same time. That is what they would have expected Jesus to say. And instead, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven almost dropped it. The kingdom of heaven is like the tiniest of seeds that over the course of months, over the course of years, eventually, eventually it grows into a tree. Do you hear the difference? Do you see why they would have been confused? Let me, let me put it this way. Have you ever watched a plant grow? Have you ever actually truly watched a plant grow. Like you, you put the seed in the ground, right? You know, you got a cozy blanket, your favorite blanket. Maybe you pop some popcorn or something like that. You decide to pull up a chair. 
the way you pull up a chair, you know, like this. And then you just stare at it. You just decide to stare at it. And you just... No, you, you don't, right? You, that's not something anyone does because, one, that's weird. Two, that's boring. And more importantly, more importantly, because you literally cannot see it. You can't see it. Even the fastest growing plants out there would not be worth watching. Because the nature of plants and how they grow is that they grow slowly and gradually to the point where you cannot literally perceive it with your eye. You could look at it today and then go look at it again maybe next week, maybe, and observe how it has grown. But if you pull up a chair and try to watch this seed grow, well, I have bad news for you. <laughs> that's, that's not how it works. It grows slowly and it grows gradually. And I believe that that's exactly what Jesus was getting at with this parable, right? Jesus says that that is how the kingdom of heaven actually works. That is how it progresses. It starts with a seed so tiny that you can't even see it. And then it continues that way for quite some time. And eventually, eventually, after, you know, you water it and all of that, shoots start to come up. It starts to, you know, branch off with a little bit of leaves. And then maybe you forget to water it and then it withers just a little bit. And then eventually, you know, you water it again because you, you want it to grow. And so eventually it buds, it flowers, it does all of that. And eventually it grows into a, a small bush and then a bigger bush and then into a tree. That is the kingdom of heaven. And that is the first picture that Jesus gives. The second We'll pick it back up. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Welcome to Jesus' TED Talk, everyone. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, and it's also like yeast. You're welcome. Very, very inspiring, right? But either way, he says it is like yeast that a woman took and mixed now, we're reading through the uh, NIV version of this this morning, but if you look at other translations, what does it say? Does anyone have a different translation? What does it say? What did it replace mixed with? Feel free to say it out loud. You can say it. Thank you. There we go. Thank you so much. It says hid. It says it's like a yeast that a woman took and hid into about 60 pounds of flour. And it says hid because that's basically what you do with yeast, right? I don't know if we have any bakers in the house, but that is what you do. You only need just a little bit to actually hide it into the, into the flour. And then eventually you bake it in all of that stuff. Now, have you guys ever seen 60 pounds of flour? Please don't, don't look under your, ta your, your chair. <laughs> I didn't really... I didn't really give you that. Uh, we don't have the budget for that. But uh, even still, we do have a visual for you guys. So, yeah, uh, actually, come on out, guys. We actually have some flour. Can y'all come on out real quick? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hayden, this was your moment. This is why you lift weights. This is the whole reason. <laughs> this is it. Also, if y'all want to give a round of applause for people, that would be great. And lovely. All of my Vanna Whites here, they're just all doing a lovely, lovely, lovely job. It's so, so great. Thank you so much, Hunter. 
had to bribe them all. They were in my life group, so I had to bribe every single one of them. I think that, is that it? I think that's it, maybe. There's, there's more? There's, mo- there's more? Okay, oh, okay, there's more. There's more. Hello, thank you, thank you. Clap, 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 thank you, thank you. I appreciate it, yes, 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 yes. Oh, there is more? Oh, hey, hello again. You can hear her husband up there yelling, woo. Okay, I think that that should be it. That, that's the last one, because the X was right there. I saw it. Okay. So, yeah, one more round of applause for the pit crew. This is, they're so great. They are so, so, so great. Um, I've lost my place. Um, anywho, this is 60 pounds of flour, you guys, which... That's a lot. Hopefully everyone can see that. That is a lot of flour that we're going to give Alyssa, who is up there. We're going to give her all the flour because I don't want it all. But anywho, um, oh, yes, thank you. Do you guys know how much yeast goes into 60 pounds of flour? It's this much. It's, it's not a lot. It's not a lot at all. This, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, is the kingdom of heaven. This right here is the kingdom of heaven. Do you see how different and opposite and confusing this, this would have been to people in Jesus' day? That is basically nothing, right? It seems so small. It seems so ordinary. It seems so insignificant. But make no mistake about it. The end result of of this much flour and, and, you know, eventually bread that is baked without it versus with it is unbelievable. And, And that is what Jesus is trying to get at. So the kingdom of heaven, it is like uh, uh, this mustard seed, the mustard seed that you have, again, go plant it, please. It's small, it's hidden. Yeast, it's small, it's hidden. And again, this would have been very confusing to the audience because of all the Old Testament stories painting something entirely different about the kingdom of heaven, about who Jesus was and about how he was going to redeem his people. They didn't expect Jesus to come through and say this. And honestly, honestly, I feel like we would not expect that as well, right? Because if you think about it, if he's saying this is the kingdom, typically kingdoms don't, they're not hidden, right? Kingdoms are not small. Usually kingdoms are rather large and, you know, make a big deal that they're here, right? Even in today's standards and terms. Can you imagine the president being sworn in and it's only like a minute? Like, it could be. It really could be boiled down to like a minute or two. But can you imagine no pomp, no circumstance, none of that around the inauguration? That would be weird. In many ways, that would kind of feel un-American. Like, it is a big, big deal to have the president 
you know, be sworn in. And so for us, in many ways, it's very central to kind of the American ethos, this idea that, that we want everything to be big and flashy, kind of stand out. If anything, we want to go bigger and flashier, right? That is how we get noticed. That is how we become influencers. That is how we get raises at our jobs. That is how we be, uh, stay relevant. And we see it in a ton of different ways. Apple can't just have a simple announcement, right? They can't just be like, hey guys, here is the newest phone. It's so beautiful, right? It's so great. Don't look underneath your chair. We don't <laughs> have one for you. Figured I would carry the joke. You see what I'm trying. Um, and you can get one for the low, low price of a lot of money. Right? They don't do that, right? That is not what they do. They have to have this grandiose, you know, stage and platform where people wear black like this and, you know, the cool mics and stuff, and it's just so great with all the transitions and all the different things that happen and everything. They have to do that. Again, that, that is what we do. It is in the American ethos. If you look at uh, uh, sports drafts, I don't know if we have any sports fans in here, but if you look at how sports drafts have evolved, I remember back in the day when sports drafts were nothing. They were very low-key. They were so low-key. Nothing to it. And then over time, they kept getting bigger and bigger where they analyzed every single draft pick, every single one of them, to the nth degree. If you're in college, any college students in here? Guess not. Um, well, <laughs> if, if you were in college, if you... People remember college, maybe that's, that's probably a better way. If you were in college and you threw an ordinary party, how fun would that be? Probably not fun at all, right? Who throws an ordinary party? Because the whole reason why you throw parties is to throw parties so they're the best party, right? You throw it so you, so you have some type of glorious purpose where people can talk about it for weeks on end. That's the whole reason. And this is what our culture does, right? This is what we do. We can't really do small, unnoticed, ordinary things, right? We just can't. And sadly, neither do we. Neither do Christians or churches. We see this when um, how we treat our personal spiritual growth. The more ordinary our time with Jesus and, and the more we feel like it's not, uh, the more we feel like it's not worth it. We generally aren't content with just sitting in the scriptures and allowing that to, to remind us of Jesus. Instead, we need to show up and have Jesus like, point us to the exact scripture that we need to hear right then and now and for our minds to be blown with power, with conviction and all those things wrapped up in one. Our prayer times are very similar. Prayer can't just be us, you know, sitting in our closet or in a quiet space, silently praying by ourselves for weeks on end. Again, it has to be some type of mind-blowing experience where we encounter the living and true God, where he, we hear his audible voice telling us precisely what we need to hear in that moment. 
even when we attend something like this, when we attend the service, it can't just be an ordinary service, right? It has to be something that is life-changing. It has to be something that, that it is the best one we've ever been to. It can't just be some average musicians that lead us in worship. It has to be the loudest, the most talented. It can't just be that the pastor up front, you know, preaches an ordinary sermon where he says true things, yes, and it helps you become more like Jesus. No, it has to be that they preach the most engaging, the most hilarious, the most convicting and mind-blowing sermon you have ever heard in your entire life. And I'm just going to go ahead and apologize. I'm sorry. That's, this is probably not that sermon. But we did have the visual, right? That was, that was hopefully good enough. Um, I see this in myself. This is me. This is me. I see it when, when I am trying to disciple someone, when I'm trying to actually pour into someone. If there's something that I notice someone can kind of grow in, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's go, man. Let's go. Like, I want to be able to be in on that conversation and to be able to kind of drop a little bit of knowledge on them, you know, as one does. And then hopefully by the next time that I see them, they've already implemented every single thing that I have told them. Right? Doesn't everyone want that? But when in reality, that's actually not how that works, right? And so I end up actually being frustrated because they actually didn't do the thing. We do this with our small groups or our life groups and other communities. We expect to show up to our life group and immediately have some type of connection or expect a connection within a matter of days. We expect to meet people in our life groups and have them become the most meaningful, best friendships we have in a matter of weeks. We expect them to say and do all the right things. All the right things. We desire this over any ordinary community <clears throat> where it takes time and where it takes effort. And in many ways, it takes effort to become friends. To connect with someone where Jesus truly is the only, the only connection. To actually put in the time and to learn how to love each other well. That's, that's not what we really want, right? I see it when it comes to our participation participation in God's mission. We feel like to make a significant impact, we need to go in a remote village, to some remote village in a third world country and tell every single person about Jesus. Meanwhile, there are people at our job or in our classrooms right now that actually don't know Jesus, and we're not saying anything to them because that feels too ordinary. We feel like to really be involved in ministry, we need to actually get a full-time job in ministry. Meanwhile, we have people in our life group full of people that actually need ministering to, and we're not doing anything about it. Because again, that feels too simple or ordinary. Do you guys see this? Do you see some of this? We so often want big and flashy and impactful and splashy. And Jesus, again, is, he, he is not necessarily opposed to any of that. I mean, we are talking about God. It is still God. He parted the Red Sea, right? So he can do 
flashy. He can do splashy. That was a bad joke. I thought of it on the fly. Um, He's not opposed to any of that. But hear me say this. He also doesn't require any of it. Some of us need to hear that this morning. He doesn't require you to be flashy. He's not asking you for bigger or better. He's just as comfortable with mustard seed level growth, where it takes seemingly forever, but that seemingly forever is consistent growth. He's just as comfortable with with yeast and 60 pounds of flour type impact in the places where you feel like you are drowning in a sea of mundane. And God actually has you there changing the very fabric, the very fabric of the people around you. And hear me say, if, if these parables tell us anything, it's that he may actually just prefer it this way. I mean, think about it. Think about this. Jesus came into the world. Think about that moment real quick. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, came into the world as a baby. King of kings, Lord of lords, baby. It's okay to laugh. That, that doesn't make any sense, right? That do, like, it does not make any sense at all. And yet and still, that is what he did. He came into the universe as a baby. How lowly can one stoop? But that's exactly... In my opinion, that's what I feel like Jesus is kind of getting at in that sense. And he wasn't just born into the world, right? He was born into a backwoods stable, basically, backwoods town stable, with all the accessories of animals and hay and poop. And yet, again, it still plays into that small and hidden stuff. He never traveled more than 100 miles from his hometown. He could have easily easily overthrown the kingdom of Rome and established his rule and his reign and made everyone acknowledge him. But instead, he worked like you and me. He was just some blue-collar dude working in his hometown. Again, not how we think a creator would do things. Not how we would think the king of kings and the lord of lords would do things. When he transitioned into ministry work, he could have gotten the best and the brightest like every single other priest was after. He could have easily did that. But instead, he asked fishermen, he asked tax collectors, women who were mistreated and forgotten because they lived in a patriarchal society, and others who were seen as low class who uh, would have been not seen as up to par as many of the other people. And Jesus began discipling them. And then, and then, he got those same people to go out into the world and disciple other people in that same exact way. 
How about that? He got the most ordinary people on the earth to do the most significant thing on the earth. Pastor and Christian thinker Sky Jathane says it this way. It isn't that he expected each person to change the world through remarkable accomplishments. Rather, Jesus expected his undistinguished followers to be the source of the world's most essential ingredients. Likewise, in a dark and deteriorating world, there is nothing more wonderful than simple people, simple people living as Jesus taught. We might put it this way. In the kingdom of Jesus, ordinary is not insignificant. In the kingdom of Jesus, ordinary is not insignificant. Fam, I I want you to see, I want you to see how the kingdom of heaven is here. I want you to feel this right now. The kingdom of heaven is here right now. It is in your everyday life. And I get it. Sometimes life can seem like it's on a loop, like it is mundane, like you're in this hamster wheel and you're just constantly going, you know, over and over and over again. But it doesn't mean that that's insignificant. Because again, in the kingdom of Jesus, in the kingdom of heaven, ordinary is not insignificant. And here's the reason why I say that. It's because the gospel actually frees us up to be ordinary. Romans 10 4 says this. It says, Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. So this passage talks about those who would try in their own effort to be righteous or justified by their efforts. In many ways, it would be like us saying, hey, man, like, I have to do this. I have to do this to be okay with my life. Or, or I have to do that thing because that thing makes my life have meaning. Or my life has to look like this or that. I need to have that college degree to prove myself. I have to be married or my life will be wasted. It's believing that our salvation or our worth actually comes from our works. And hear me say this, and the, the, the bigger, oops, sorry, I apologize. And the bigger and the better the work is, the more we feel like we're closer to God. So when those desires to be more than ordinary kind of creep in, this is the sort of stuff, uh, uh, this is the sort of what we are trying to go for. I've got to try harder. I've got to do better. I need to prove my righteousness. If, if that is you, hear me say one of the biggest lies that the enemy wants you to believe is that, that as a follower of Jesus, you have to be extravagant or extraordinary to do what you're doing right now. But the Bible would actually say something entirely different. Let's, let's read that passage one, one more time because um, I really want it to kind of wash I kind of want it to wash over us, you guys. So if we can put that passage, yeah, thank you. I actually want us to read it out loud together. I've never tried this, but I want us to read it out loud together. Um, This is going to be great. Um, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Amen.
Christ is the culmination of the law. And because of that, he gives us his righteousness if we follow after him. So now there is no more try harder. There is no more I have to do more. This has to be extravagant to matter. This has to be bigger. There is only how do I follow Christ consistently. See, he, he's removed the need to be extravagant because he did the most extravagant thing for us by dying on the cross. There is freedom, family. There is freedom in the ordinary. There is freedom in reading your Bible every single day and changing in God's image slowly and gradually. There is freedom in praying without ceasing and not having to expect God to be some type of genie to cater to every single prayer that you pray. There is freedom in growing together as a community and letting those friendships grow over years with all the conflict that is involved with it. There is freedom to be ordinary at an ordinary job, making an ordinary amount of money, and being faithful to building with your ordinary coworkers who the Lord has placed in your life. There is purpose in the daily, the weekly, and the monthly normal of your life. And hear me say this, if we are ever going to join all of our lives to God's mission, we need to actually reclaim all of the ordinary parts of our lives as a part of that mission. We will have to reject this notion that, that something has to be extravagant or something has to be extraordinary for things to matter or to be significant. We will need to view the ordinariness of our lives as Jesus said the kingdom of heaven would be like. Because the kingdom of heaven doesn't start out as a tree. The kingdom of heaven doesn't start out as baked, delicious bread. No, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast and 60 pounds of flour. It's normal. It's small. It's hidden. It's, it is the ordinary. But man, is it significant. See, the mission that, that Jesus kicked off is something that you and I get to participate in every single day of our lives. It's always been God's intention to choose normal, everyday people to show off his amazing power and glory through us. The good news is that he is not looking for more impressive people. He's just not. Because he was already the most impressive person that ever walked this earth. As the people of God, this is, this is our aim right here. So when you think about your ordinary life, how do you actually think about it? What do you actually think about? Is it just regular? Is it routine? Does it feel like you're on, you know, this hamster wheel? Are you just kind of going through the motions without much intention or much purpose? Does anyone feel that at all? I remember uh, talking to a guy in my life group about this 
kind of this idea. And we've had like similar paths. Um, he is an artist and he really wants to do that for his job. Um, but if you know anything about creative people in general, you kind of have to start out poor. It feels like that's just a rite of passage for creative people in general. And so he does have your classic kind of like nine to five job. He works at the delicious Chick-fil-A. Um, and he is doing that so he can, you know, eventually get to being a full-time artist that's actually making full-time money, or at least close to full-time money. And for him, he has been wrestling with working at his current job because he feels like it's not where he actually wants to be, or really where he was meant to be, right? Like, I, I totally get that, and I told him just as much because I was like, actually, me and you are similar, <laughs> very, very similar. I, too, am a creative person, and I actually worked at Chick-fil-A as well back in the day. And all I could see my job at Chick-fil-A as was a means to me leaving. I saw it as a stepping stone, you guys. I really did. Like, I thought it was just, you know, classic, like, clock in, clock out, see you guys later, let me, you know, work on my art, let me do that whole thing. And I wrestled with this for so, so long. Like, like there, for me, there was no purpose for me working at Chick-fil-A. There was, there was no intention. There was, I felt like I was on that, that loop. I really did. I felt like I was on that loop. And it wasn't until I clearly heard from the Spirit say that I was missing the point. I was missing the entire point, that, that this 9 to 5 was actually not a stepping stone because there were human beings with souls and stories that actually mattered around me and that they mattered to God so, so much and that I was there for a reason. That is what the Spirit told me, and, and for me, that is when it started to click in that moment, that is when it actually started to clean that. No, yeah, you're right. This isn't pointless. There is purpose in this. And once I did, like I said, my job was infused with said purpose. It became less about me and more about the people around me. More about the people around me and how I spoke to them, how I interacted with them, how I remembered things about their family to be able to speak the gospel to them, how I interacted with uh, all the customers that were coming through, actually having interactions with them and not just having them order food and then peace out, like actually interacting with them and pointing, you know, eventually pointing them towards the Lord as well. Now, did I see impact immediately or ever? No, I actually did not see the said impact, but... Do I know I was impactful? You better believe it. I know for a fact I was, impact, I was impactful because I know that the Lord had me there for a reason. Again, purpose was infused, and I knew I was making a difference. It may be mustard seed level uh, difference, but it was definitely a difference. Here's kind of what I'm driving to. If you think you're nine to five, this morning is pointless. If you think it's purposelessness, however I, you say that word, I believe the Spirit is speaking through me to say that your ordinary is not insignificant. Not when it's infused with kingdom purpose, fam. For those of you who are not doing what you want to do right now, 
you're doing some little piddly thing off to the side that you feel like is just so insignificant, so normal, so small, so hidden. Ordinary is not insignificant. Some of us actually need to to pray for eyes to see this, to see the kingdom potential that is around us. We need to pray for our hearts to be softened to this reality because the kingdom of heaven is here right now. In my experience, the vast majority of us kind of waste our ordinary. We give no thought to the reality that God may want to actually be doing something significant through our normal everyday lives. That our jobs aren't just jobs, that our neighborhoods aren't just neighborhoods, that the people we know, the places that we go, the hobbies that we have, our habits, all of that, that all of that is a part of God's great plan to save the world. And in light of that, in light of that, let me hit you with actually a couple of practicals to kind of tap into being able to see life in this way. Because... uh, um, for a lot of us, if, if, if we cannot do that, it can be very tough to see this. And so uh, let's actually do that. I want to give two practical tips um, to be able to see uh, that our ordinary is not insignificant. First, let's keep a journal of wins. Keep a journal of wins. Now, I know a few of us probably already do that, which is great, and I love that so much, so please keep doing that. Um, But yeah, I think for a lot of us, for some of us who may not be able to do that or who have not done that, I think it would be great to keep either a physical or a digital journal of some kind of our notes or sermons uh, that have been preached uh, or taught in, you know, your Bible time, all of that, praises and wins, um, that you have seen the Lord work. Um, Because just like a mustard seed, Just like a mustard seed, life happens over time, and you won't necessarily see the impact immediately. And if that is the case, in order to not be discouraged by that, being able to keep track of these things and look back can be very, very encouraging. Again, I know some of y'all do keep it, which is great, but I would say also say that make sure you keep track that the Lord is uh, what the Lord is accomplishing through your life. To be able to actually look back and praise his name when you see how he has worked in your life. I remember doing that most recently. I looked back at my first journal entry and it was so encouraging to to me to see how the Lord had worked in that moment. To get me where I was and to where I am. So I think that would be great. In many ways, it's, it's like your personal pot, right, with multiple mustard seeds, and they're growing, and you're actually keeping a log of all of the growth that the Lord is working in. Uh, the second point is notice and celebrate the wins each other. Nope, that's not right. Notice and celebrate each other's wins. That is the correct phrase. Um, so I don't know about you, but oftentimes I can't see how the Lord is actually working in my life. It's great to keep a journal and all of that, but a lot of times you can't keep track of how the Lord is growing you, Um, or for me, especially, I tend to critique myself way too much. Um, I think part of that is probably a desire to be, you know, bigger, better, more, and all of that stuff, and then the other part is probably, again, bigger, better, more, and all of that. Um, And so because of all of that, I tend to also downplay how the Lord is actually working in my life, because I see all of the missteps, I see all of the mistakes, I see everything, I see it all. Um, not 
all, but you get what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, so I'm not sure if anyone else in the room feels that or not, um, but being able to allow other people to kind of speak into your life, to kind of show you those wins and how the Lord is actually growing you and vice versa, you being able to do it for yourself and to do it for others is so key. It is so paramount. And I think this can look a number of different ways. Again, if you keep a journal and all of that, that would be great. Being able to keep track of praiseworthy moments is so great. Texting, calling, calling your friends, calling your family, all of that stuff and saying, hey, this is where I have seen the Lord work in your life. Do you know how encouraging it is to hear someone say that? It is so encouraging because it's like, oh, okay, great. I you are seeing the Lord work in my life. It's so beautiful, you guys. It is so, so beautiful. Now, I'm not sure about you. Um, when those moments happen, a lot of times I will try to dismiss wins. Um, I don't know if anyone else does that. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's nothing. There's nothing. You know, I've probably grown a little bit. Don't do that. For me, I downgrade these wins, and it's not good because I feel like, you know, for me, it's just like, oh, like, that's arrogant for me to be like, yes, just keep it, just, but the reality is, is that it is not arrogant to say where God is working. It's not arrogant to, to accept where God is actually working in your life. There have been times me and my wife, Melanie, um, we will talk about this same thing, and she'll be like, hey, let me just encourage you right now. Stop dismissing it. Stop doing all of that. The Lord is actually working in your life, so let me encourage you. And for some of you, maybe you need to <laughs> do that same thing. Um, so for you, what, what ordinary practices do you actually need to do to encourage yourself, to encourage others? Yeah, what do you need to do? Do you need to keep a journal? Do you need to keep track? whether it's digital or physical? Do you need to speak into other people's lives about this or allow other people to speak into your life? That is what I want to leave with you today. Let's pray. Lord, um, first of all, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your love for us, um, for waking us up this morning, for allowing us the chance to be able to worship together. This is so beautiful. Always enjoy this, Lord. Um, I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters in the room right now, Lord, that, um, yeah, there, there may be some who, who are just kind of feeling that their life is, is mundane, that, that it is so ordinary, and they feel like they're on this hamster wheel, Lord. I just pray that, that you would remind them Yeah, just remind them that, that, that you were extraordinary, that you died for their sins so that they could be just ordinary people having impactful 
yeah, just having impact in their lives, Lord. That they, that they can impact the people around them, whether it's their coworkers or classmates. And it can all be ordinary impact, Lord. It can all be mustard seed level impact. Yeast and 60 pounds of flour impact. That it doesn't have to be some grandiose thing. That it doesn't have to be some slam dunk opportunity, Lord. That all they have to do is be consistent with where they are right now. Lord, when when tomorrow comes, when Monday comes and everyone clocks in, will you remind them of that? Will you remind them of your love for them? Will you help them to, to, to branch out and to start out speaking to said coworkers or classmates or whoever, knowing that it could take a while for them to come to know you? that they were consistent about it. Again, Lord, thank you so much for this moment. Yeah, in your name I pray, amen.